Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Well, today we revisit and close out Jesus' parables concerning the kingdom of God. And as we have discovered during our time together, that we can experience God's kingdom here, can we not? I mean, we can have God's blessings for our lives here as we are obedient. Have you found God bless your life any? Anybody by a show of hands? Okay, we've got three people. Amen. God is blessing three people in our church. No, there's more than that. But we are so glad that uh, we can be here today and enjoy the fact of knowing that we can have the best that God has to offer here. But if you are a believer, i got good news for you. It gets better. It gets a lot better. But as we look at our passage today, sometimes we can experience God's kingdom as we serve him. Sometimes that may take form in an answered prayer. Maybe some dreams that have been fulfilled, or maybe blessings beyond what we deserve, or maybe even just the strength to start the new day, to put your feet on the floor and come to church. But more importantly, we know as believers in Jesus Christ that this life is going to end. At some point, it will end. And yes, this world is going to end one day. And it is for this very reason that Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples and you and I for what will come on that day for all of us. And so Jesus is teaching everyone here who hears this parable to live our life while taking his words seriously. We must also make certain that preparations are made for the kingdom to come. You yourself know what it's like to prepare for a trip. Some of you have been on vacation. Some of us are going on vacation. And so we know what it is to pack for a trip. Now, when I was younger, I could throw everything I needed for the whole week into a book satchel. And that was it. Or a, 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 a gear bag, whatever it may be. And I could, I could have been fine with that. Just... A few necessities, and, and you can get by with that. But now the duffel bag is just what I need to keep the stuff I want to carry around. I mean, now when you pack for a trip, now we have to pack clothes for different types of weather in case it gets hot or cold. Uh, we have medicines. Oh, my goodness. We have to take a, a pharmacy with us. And i got to dra- drag my CPAP machine and a distilled water and so on just for an overnight trip. So at some point... It takes just as much to get ready for an overnight trip as it would for a week trip. But I'm blessed to have a wife that makes packing for a trip her mission. And, uh, but there are some amazing and things that I must do to prepare as well. But Jesus' message that we're going to look at here through this message is not one of hate. I want to go ahead and say that now. These are just a few verses. And these are not of hate, but these are of love, of a demonstrated love. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us on the cross. He demonstrated his love for us in that sense. And so our first point as we look at the scriptures is this. A net of the gospel is a tool. A net of the gospel is a tool. And we'll be looking at verses 47 and 48. It says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. And when the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, 
but threw the bad ones away. Now, I do want to say that some of us, we've been talking about Vacation Bible School, and this is not the parable of the fishing net that we're using to teach the kids, but this is another parable that goes right along with it. And so, as we see this, there are people that build, that have garages and building storage facilities that are filled with fishing boats, lures, nets, and contraptions. And stores are making a killing off of selling tools to fishermen and fisherwomen. Is that what you call it? Fisherwomen? Just asking. All right. Want to be politically correct here. And everything they say, if you see this or if you buy this, you're going to catch more fish. I remember years ago, there was a guy named Bill Dance. And he had these special glasses where if you bought his glasses, you could see the fish in the water. I don't know how well that works, but it seems like a gimmick to me. And uh, all of that equipment will not catch a single fish while it is being stored. Like a tool that must be used. And you can be guaranteed that today this net is real and is used by God. It's the net that we just read about. And it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net. A net is a tool that fishermen use to catch fish. So what is a net? Most likely, this was not a net like I used to cast off of the little pier in Huntington Beach State Park when I was trying to catch the mullets that were in the water. It was a, it was a circle net with weights on the outside. And, and after a couple of tries, I got pretty good at it. And it was fun. It was some exercise. And, and we could catch a, a few fish with that. But this is not that type of net. This is a huge net. This is a net that's so big that one end is tied to one boat and the other end is tied to the other boat. And that there are weights on the bottom that go all the way down to the floor. And everything that is in between the ocean or the sea floor and the top of the water is caught in that net. The first thing we see is that obviously a net catches everything in its path. Some of you have gone fishing and caught everything from a fish to a crab to a boot. It doesn't matter. You know, I don't know if a boot is good eating, but I don't think I'd take it home and clean it and try to fry it. The thing about the net is it just catches everything that's in its path. So, so with that said, as we look at this illustration, the net does not discriminate, does it? Everything in its path gets taken up. It does not segregate. It does not profile. It does not judge on what should or should not be allowed to be caught in the net. It just catches what is in it. A fishing net does what its name describes. It catches fish. The next thing we see is the net is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. As Jesus is using this term as a fishing net to something that those people identified with, he's saying that the net that is casting is the gospel. The word gospel simply means the good news. And the word is not unique to the Christian message, but it could be used in the secular world as well. Now that if there are people that are in an industry that they are touting a product for a company, you know what they call them now, especially in the tech industry? They call them evangelists. They are hawking the message of their company. But folks, as a believer, as a preacher, as a, as a Christian, we have got the best message in the world, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ. Because in the New Testament, 
the gospel story, it refers to the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel message? Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life to die a sinner's death so that we could be forgiven of our sins and he could die in our place and that he could rise again and that he could come back one day and take us to be with him forever. You have just heard the gospel message. That is nothing that any one of you could not share with someone else. Now, the thing is, is that using a net is work and it takes practice. You see, a fisherman catches more fish when he or she becomes better at their craft. Some of you remember when your dad or, or somebody would have taken you fishing when you were a kid and you were trying to figure out the lure and the casting and, and you had fun casting it, but having to wait for a fish, that was the boring part, right? But once you caught that first fish, you feel that little nibble on the line, you're like, Ooh, I'm hooked. Get it? <laughs> hooked. <laughs> oh. Anyway. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that, folks. Oh, boy. The thing is, is becoming better at anything requires practice, patience, and drive. It was once said that a committee is full of people who will do nothing but decide as a group that nothing can be done. Let me say that again. It was once said that a committee is full of people that will do nothing but decide as a group that nothing can be done. Second thing, a man told his doctor that he wasn't able to do all the things around the house that he used to do. And when the examination was complete, he said, now, doc, I can take it. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me in plain English what's wrong with me. Well, in plain English, the doctor said, you're lazy. (laughs) Just plain lazy. And the man said, great, now give me the medical term so I can tell my wife. Folks, there is no excuse for laziness when it comes to sharing the gospel. Folks, just as lazy fishermen don't eat and don't make money, lazy Christians don't share the gospel. But the net gathers also, but only Jesus saves. The net is the gospel message, but Jesus himself is the one that saves. The gospel doesn't save people. It is a means used to gather them. There in the Pew Research Center gave this statistic. And it said that they found among white evangelical Protestants stand out as the group most likely to name belief as the most important factor in obtaining earthly life, with 64% expressing this view. And then they said this, and, and they said nearly, but I changed it to only because I cannot believe this. Only half of evangelicals, people like you and me that are filling churches today, less than half are explicitly in stating that they believe that Jesus Christ is necessary for salvation. Only 45% of the folks in church today believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. My friend, what are we preaching What are we wanting to hear to know that we might be good enough or that our works are going to be good enough that one day we hope that we die on a good day where our good outweighs our bad? That is not the truth. Churches need to wake up. If you think that your salvation is based on how good you are, then we all need to leave because we are all flawed. We are all sinners. We are all jacked up. We all have bad days. But because of Jesus Christ... We are saved. 
Not to any works that any you of I can boast, but only because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Jesus said himself in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one can come to the Father except through me. So we see the net. The net is the gospel. The net is what is dragging along that is catching everybody in the net. Red, yellow, black, and white. It doesn't matter what their sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. It doesn't matter what denomination they are, whether they are believers or not. We are all going to be caught in that net, is what Jesus is saying. And the second thing that we see is that judgment follows the net. Judgment follows the net. I guess the untechnical term would be the way it is, is the way it is. The way it is, is the way it is. In today's world, no one wants to be told that there is only one way to do anything. I can remember in school math classes, I could get the right answer. But if I didn't figure it out how the teacher taught me to figure it out, it was wrong. Even if you found another way, there was only one way that teacher wanted you to figure it out. And I remember that teacher... Now, when you get older, you're not going to have a calculator every time you want to do math. <laughs> got a calculator on every phone you got. I also remember asking my parents for something and them telling me, no. Of course, in my teenage mind, I wanted to know, well, why? And, well, they would respond with, because I said so. And I knew that at that point, the communication process was over. <laughs> I might get in a, it's not fair, on my way out of the conversation as I walked away, but it still didn't change the outcome. There may be things that God has asked you to do that are told you no on something, and you want to, why? And he, because I said so. Because this word says so. It's not fair. He says, I don't care. No, he does care. Because if you're on the other end of that conversation, if you're a parent... Anybody who has raised a child or been responsible for a child, you know that when you say no, there is love behind that no. It is never because you just want to put your thumb screws to them, or it shouldn't be. It's because you know that there is an uncertainty that you don't know about and you love your child enough to say no. God loves you enough to say no. Don't do this. There is a set way to live. But in this parable, Jesus tells us the way the end will go down. It's not one of the ways, how it might happen, what we think, or whatever your political view is on this. This is what Jesus says that happens. Jesus says it. That settles it. It's up to you whether you believe it or not. You may not want to be caught in the net, but it's not your choice. That's why Jesus is lifted up high. He is our Savior, our Deliverer, and our Lord. Read verses 49 and 50. That is the way it will be. Jesus is saying this. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. That is the way it will be at the end. So we see there is a way that it will be. Well, why, God? Why does it have to be this way? Because I said so. And then there is going to be an end. All this is great. We are supposed to drink up every minute we have on this earth. Whether we are 5 or 50 or 105. 
Because one day this is going to stop. It doesn't mean that we live in fear of that day, but that we just drink up and soak up everything that God has with us. Every smile that that child gives you. Every sweet note that that grandchild gives you or great-grandchild. Or or every time you come into this church and you see somebody smile at you and shake your hand. Or every time you have an opportunity to tell others about your faith. We're supposed to drink that up because he says, The way it will be at the end of the world, the angels will come and separate Separate the wicked from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Folks, separation is required. I remember that one of the first times that I washed clothes, I forgot to put, I put a red something in with the whites. Guess what happened? I was sporting pink for a while because I didn't separate them. Correctly, And the thing is, Jesus says there will be a separation, the wicked from the righteous. In other passages, he says the goats from the sheep. Or if you remember this one, the wheat from the tares. There is a separation. Throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Folks, the end is coming. Anyone who enjoys a good book or a story can appreciate a good ending. You can remember reading a book as a child, and by the time you get to the end, it says, and they lived happily ever after. If you're an adult reading to a child, you know that they are far asleep by the time you ever get to that book. And you have one book that you read every night forever. And you know that by page 23 or whatever it is, Sometimes you just skip a few pages and say, and they lived happily ever after. And you sneak off and go to bed. We all love stories that end with happy notes. But someone's, they lived happily ever after, means that there is pain and suffering for someone else. Your happily ever after means that there is pain for somebody else. When you think about stories and movies that you have seen, the hero wins at the end and the enemy is suffering and punished and whatever. You're like, ooh, I feel better about myself. That's a happy ending. But then you realize that for the other person, it was not very happy. That's the way life is, isn't it? Jesus tells us the end is coming. And Matthew twenty four fourteen. as you see on the screen, it says that the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Not might come. Good, a good chance that it will come. A 50% chance. No, the end will come. And it says, notice it says, the angels will separate the wicked from the religious and the righteous. The angels will do the separation. Notice the angels are separating the believers from the fake ones, the true ones from the fake ones, not their family. The family is not deciding who is wicked and who is good. The preacher is not deciding who is wicked and who is good. There's not a focus group. There's not a worldly leader. Only the angels are separating the wicked from the righteous. So what does that tell you? And what does that tell me? There's only one person that we need to please. 
And that's not an agenda. That's not a political party. That's not a social group. That's not a, a Facebook group. That's not our peers. That's not our employer. Ultimately, who we need to please is God himself because he and his angels are the ones that are doing the separating. No one else. And separation is necessary. You realize in this parable of the, the net that there were more than 20 different kinds of fish available in the Sea of Galilee. And of those 20 kinds, many of them were inedible. You could not eat them. Or they were ritually impure. They, God told them not to eat them. But a net would catch them instead. He would catch the good and the bad and the impure. So too all will be judged at the end of this age, it says in verse 49. Divided into wicked and into righteous. And assigned to their eternal destinies. Just as there are good fish and bad fish, there are wheat and tares. It says in Revelation 19.11. The Bible says, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider named Faithful and True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. My friend, if your only view of Jesus as a pale, emaciated, Anglo-Saxon man on a cross with white, pale skin, looking sad and forlorn with, with blood coming down his body, if that's the Jesus you think it is, this is the real one that's coming back. A warrior with a double-edged sword that will be helping to sort the good from the wicked. Yes, Jesus was a suffering servant on this earth, but he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is God's son and he is God's warrior. And let me just say this because a lot of people don't believe it. And there are even preachers that won't preach this. But I'm going to guarantee you when Jesus says this, hell is a real place. If someone hadn't told you that, lady, I tell you that not because I want to be a hellfire and damnation preacher because you know me, that's not my style. But I can't stick my head in the sand and say, oh no, oh, 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 there's no hell. There is a hell. If you believe in heaven, there's got to be hell. He says here that he will be throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Love is not hiding hell. Love is teaching hell and believing in hell because that is pushing us to the love and the gift of salvation that God gave to His Son, Jesus Christ, to keep us from going there. I'll say it once, I'll say it a million times. God does not send people to hell. Their choice to reject him is what sends them to hell. Because God created hell for Satan. And to not follow God is to follow Satan. And if you want to be where he is, keep rejecting God. Finally, we see that the truth is found in the fishing net. Folks, we must speak the truth. Notice here that Jesus didn't tell people what they wanted to hear, but rather what they needed to hear. Not everyone who heard Jesus' words that day applied them. Some eagerly received his words and trusted him while other hearts grew harder. 
and refuse to hear Him. Like right now, I'm getting into some real stuff here. And I can see that some of you are tracking. And the others, as soon as I started talking about hell, the shaders went up. I wonder if the pot roast is going to be ready. I wonder how long the line's going to be at my favorite restaurant. And you are just zoned out. Because that's what the enemy wants you to do. Hear me, my friend. Too many Christians live like there is no hell because we could not care less if those we love and those we encounter go there because we do not share our faith. We do not live our faith. But we will come here on Sunday mornings and put on a pep rally. All the while thinking that hell is for those other people. Everybody will be judged. That's what the net shares with us. You see, the net captures everybody. And as it is written so today, nevertheless, our job is to prepare human hearts to receive God's truth. Rather, it's not our responsibility to speak the same truth with all the authority he has given us as servants. My authority today does not come from me as James Strickland, a graduate of seminary and a man that has been in ministry for many years. That is not my authority. My authority is God's word. Jesus said it. That settles it. The net is the gospel of Jesus. Entrance into the God's kingdom depends on your decision to accept, not to reject Jesus' words. All of us will be judged. I know some of you like to go fishing, and they got this rule called catch and release. You know what catch and release is, don't you? I see the fishermen understanding that. Well, you get to catch the fish, then you throw it back out. There will be no catch and release at the day of judgment. Your destiny will be in one of two places, heaven or hell. Do you understand? Jesus made it perfectly clear. When Jesus finished this series of the three parables, he asked the disciples, Do you understand? And they said, Yes, we do. But to truly understand something, it requires us to take responsibility for it. And if you believe in something, you will act on it. So my friend, today it has been some real talk, hasn't it? Hadn't really uh, put on the gloves today. We kind of took them off, didn't we? But that's what Jesus does. Sometimes he hits us right square between the eyes to remind us we're not playing a game. This is not church. This is not some religious ceremony. This is life and death between heaven and hell that we live every day. And a majority of you in here have claimed Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And I praise God for that. But there may be one person that said, you know, at the end when we're judged, I don't know if I'm going to be part of the good fish or the wicked. And I want to know for sure today that my name is written in God's book. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I will be chosen to go to heaven. You can know that today. If you would just come forward and we'll pray and we'll get that started, there will be plenty of people that will be excited for you. And if you don't want to come up, call me or, or talk to a friend that's beside you. If you don't want to come up here by yourself, bring somebody. Because I'm telling you, this is the place where you can stand. You'll be surrounded by believers that have done the very same thing. Or maybe you are a believer today and you've just lost sight of the fact that this is real. 
you haven't heard some real talk in a while. And you just want to come and pray at the altar, whatever it may be. Pray where you are. This time of decision is the time for you to respond.